Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your go-to resource for all things pipeline and revenue production in the tech sales world. Technology marketing, sales development, sales, and revenue operations have combined to create the go-to market engine fueling the success of SaaS startups and established companies alike. Each week, the Sales Development Podcast dives deeply into the strategies, tactics, people, processes, and technology that fuels the revenue machine. The Sales Development Podcast is brought to you by Tenbound. Get more free resources, insights, and intelligence today at tenbound.com. And be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm excited to have a chat with my next guest, Aaron Boris, the VP of Marketing over at Hiro. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, how are you doing in the middle of the night there? Thank you for coming on. I know that it's late in Tel Aviv where you're located. Yeah, we got offices across the U.S., so I'm used to the late hours. I'm just happy to be a guest on the show. So so yeah, let's jump in and then I can get some shout-out. I love it. You know, we were talking a little bit before the show. Most sales development teams report into sales, and that's like the traditional way the reporting structure has been. I always have been of the mind that they should report to marketing and that it's a marketing role and they're contributing to pipeline. And But there's arguments on both sides. What has been your experience in leading marketing at Hiro? Great. So I'll give a little bit of a background about the company so everyone understands you know, from what angle I'm coming at this from. Because of course, it varies depending on the verticals that you operate in. If you're B2B, if you're B2C, you know, if you're ACV is $20,000 if it's $200,000. So Hiro does enterprise SaaS conversational AI. We operate in quite a few verticals, but the two that we focus on is healthcare and real estate. The deal sizes are big, the sales cycles are long, and we have a five-person BDR team to date with a BDR team lead attached. So it's a six-person BD team. And that's grown over the past year and a half from zero to six, basically. So we had to prove that outbound works for us at all. Inbound was already working, but the volume isn't as high, you know, as you'd expect for a product like, you know, a project management tool or something that has a lower ACV. So basically we wanted to test outbound to see if it worked at all. And before that team was transferred to the marketing team, it was under sales. So there was two people that were doing outbound under sales in the United States. There's nothing wrong with having, and I want to make this a clear disclaimer, there's nothing wrong with having BDRs, SDRs under sales. I think it's great. It just really depends on who the leader is of that department. And also it depends how the company's structured. And also if you're doing account-based versus non-account-based. For Hiro, I think looking back in hindsight's 2020, obviously, it was a no-brainer that our BDR team should be under the marketing department. And there's a few reasons why that worked out really well for us. One, it's having that lifeline to the messaging, to the messaging, the brand, whether it's the marketing designer, whether it's the field marketer, the growth marketer, the product marketer, every marketing team is structured differently. But for us, having all of that funnel into the same department, having top of the funnel be you know a single entity run from a single department makes everybody aligned. So outbound sales has direct line to the content, the product marketing, and, and therefore the emails are that much better. The messaging is that much more coherent. Segmentation is that much easier to explain. And there's a little bit less friction also that comes between the departments. So 
One is that alignment that you get from just having the BDRs under marketing. The second thing is the alignment you get actually from having marketing actually have to sync with sales on the same accounts. So the BDRs under marketing work with the AEs. And because they're working on the same accounts, now all of a sudden there is no discrepancy between the two. They're one body. So having the account executives of sales and the BDRs and marketing working, you know, those same accounts, the same B2B enterprise accounts means that you're always aligned no matter what. So it's very difficult for sales to complain, you know, get those classic like, oh, why did you bring us these leads? Or, oh, why did you work on these accounts? Or these aren't the right ICPs? Or we don't have that problem at Hiro because the BDRs and the AEs are so aligned and they're, they sit under separate roofs. So that I think is something very powerful for us, especially because we're an account-based marketing and sales function. But ultimately, again, when it comes to running the BDR and SDR teams, it's really about who's going to own the function, who's going to actually, I think, pump value into the BDR function in the company, train BDRs appropriately, give them the right tools to succeed, and find the time to coach. Believe it or not, despite how vital outbound is as a channel for almost every B2B SaaS organization, a lot of BDRs are left out in the cold when it comes to training, onboarding, and good coaching. So it's about having the right leader at the helm, I think. Yeah. That's helpful in giving the context. So if you think about going account-based and working really in tight alignment with the BDRs and the sales team, how do you think about that from a timeline perspective? So take us through like a step-by-step process of you pick the accounts, you work with the team, you make sure everybody's on the same page and you go after those. Sure. So for us, in terms of how we are actually breaking down the accounts, we have you know, specific criteria for what is an enterprise in healthcare, which sometimes can get fuzzy. And ultimately from that account list, what we're doing is aligning with sales on what are the top 50 accounts, the top 50 hit list that we have on the year. And depending on how well we do, hopefully those are getting cycled out. So if we're closing, you know, knocking off number seven on the list, number 13 on the list, number 25 on the list, and of course we're replacing them as we go. For us, one of the criteria we look at is net profit of the enterprises we go after, make sure that they're financially healthy so they can afford a premium solution like Cairo. Once that list is agreed upon, by the way, it's our job, the marketing job to make the list, but we don't move an inch without sales full approval. So if, you know, there are AEs, account executives on the line who say, hey, you know, I'm not sure that these are the right accounts. I actually, I, you know, and they've got years of experience at this point selling into these types of accounts. I'm not sure this is the right account. I think they have integrations that we don't support yet, or I don't think this is the right account because I spoke to Bob seven months ago and, and I know that they don't have the budget for this despite being you know in, in the green in terms of net profit. I think that's how we wanted it to work from the get-go, just marketing kind of leading the charge when it comes to research, creating the foundation of it, and having sales be you know the system of checks and balances in that sense. And once we're aligned, it's the BDRs who are in charge of, of course, starting to research the account, find trigger points, personalization points, and then that's it. They're off to the races. And we're lucky you know, We're lucky that our BDRs are well-trained and I think have been doing an amazing job of overachieving target, even in the down market, even in a, an awful year for B2B SaaS. And yeah, all's good so far. I mean, the year is young, but right. knocking on wood. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, when you first started to stand up the BDR team, how was it structured versus the way that it is now? 
Yeah, great question. So the BDR team started, again, under sales, and there were two people that were working agnostic. So they were actually going after tons of different leads without a focus. So it was really just anyone from any vertical, any enterprise. And then we started to, and this is a company-wide strategic decision, but to really hyper-focus on two verticals that make sense for us, which is real estate and healthcare. And once we did that, it was a really clear decision to have the BDRs actually upskill. So we went from having two BDRs under sales. And within a few months, we actually transitioned to having two BDRs, not in the US, actually, we moved the team to Tel Aviv, which is probably on paper, an idiotic decision, right? Because we're prospecting into the US, we moved actually the people who were doing the prospecting in the US and actually formed the team here. Although there's great tech talent in Israel, which I think often gets overlooked on the sales and marketing side. But we moved them over here. We actually had them focused on specific verticals. So instead of being business development representatives or sales development representatives, what was actually asked of them was to become healthcare and real estate experts, to become really masters of their domain. And I think, you know, again, it's really easy to just kind of slot a person in to a BDR, SDR role and say, hey, book more meetings. Just start, just go book meetings. Who cares? Be aggressive, put them on a 13-step cadence and let's get a meeting. And I think we realized very quickly that that wasn't going to work, especially in healthcare. They're too smart. They're too smart also in real estate, but in healthcare, we're trying to get to VP, C-levels, you know, and these people have lived and breathed healthcare for 30 years. And if we're not going to speak their language, they're not going to care what we have to say. So we had our BDRs very quickly upskill in those verticals and start to actually churn out content, which is not easy to ask salespeople all the time to kind of switch off that, you know, copywriting mode, which is very CTA driven, very sales driven and say, Hey, I need you to actually entertain, educate, bring value. But that's what we asked them to do. And we changed, you know, the titles even from business development representative to healthcare conversational AI expert, which is a mouthful. But that's what we, you know, changed the titles to to reflect the fact that they're not, you know, they're more than this repetitive sales function. They actually embody the domain that they're selling into and they actually can be thought leaders or try to be thought leaders in that space. So and that is so helpful if they decide to stay in the industry and progress to other positions. Now they've got that basis of expertise that can transfer versus just, yeah. And it's more fun. Yeah. And it's more fun. It's a lot less boring to actually split up their day between, you know, posting on LinkedIn about a crisis in healthcare or something, some brilliant new technologies that have befallen healthcare, nothing related to what we do, but just, I think it spices up the job a lot more and brings something refreshing to the role instead of asking them to just do meetings and kind of can have that be the only goal line for what they're doing. I think that's why the attrition rate BTRs is so high. And yeah, we're trying to change that a little bit. You're addressing so many of the issues. And just out of curiosity, how were you able to boil it down to just the two verticals out of all the different ones that you could potentially go after you're with healthcare and real estate? That's definitely, yeah, that's a company question bigger than the sales dev question, but yeah. I'll tell you that we, as a company at Hiro, we just saw the value in healthcare very quickly. And I think that we're, it's also right time, right place. So conversational AI automation of a lot of these digital channels is something that you've had in e-commerce way before Hiro was even founded. 
so I think just barriers to entry, understanding, you know, these are accounts that we think we can penetrate. These are use cases that we have that we think resonates really well in the industry. And just, I think having the right warm connections from the get-go, the founders had very good connections into some of our clients like Wild Cornell Medicine and Novon Health. So just getting those first few logos on the board as a startup was really helpful. And then real estate, weirdly enough, there's a lot of parallel. So both are industries that you can't really turn off your need for healthcare and you can't turn off your need for real estate. They're two industries that are rife with dependencies. And -hmm. because of that, they're stable. So if we were in travel, we were originally called Airbud, which is the worst name for a company. It's, you know, the Disney dog that played uh, badminton in space or whatever, or played basketball in the 90s. But, you know, you got this golden retriever that was on SEO, page 14 of Google, you know, it was impossible to compete with. So we were called Airbud. And the reason we were called Airbud is because we were actually meant to be a travel startup. Okay. We were supposed to do conversational after travel. And had we had done that, when COVID came along, we probably would not exist today. So <laughs> I think oh, that was lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think we dodged a big bullet there. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And I kind of think there's some industries out there where it's like your money or your life, you know, and like the healthcare industry, it's, you know, what are you going to do? Not pay for, you know, heart surgery and that type of thing. So that was good. That was a good pivot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it goes to the question then just back to the SDR or the BDRs training and coaching that you mentioned, because you're taking you know, people that may not come from necessarily the healthcare or real estate industry and breaking off some of their time to be experts, basically, you know, how do you think about getting them up to the point where they can actually have a conversation with 30-year veterans? Yeah. So great question. The best training is doing. So Mm -hmm. despite what I'm about to tell you about our onboarding and our great training processes and this thing we call BDR bootcamp, I'll take you through the way we train them. But I think that nothing beats having them do those first few cold calls. Nothing. Because everything up until that point is a lot of retention, a lot of you know absorption, note-taking and watching videos and going through decks. But then once you have to actually open your mouth on a call with somebody who doesn't have the time of day who is not going to be very patient, you know, with someone who's stuttering, who doesn't understand the value props, who doesn't understand their business, that's when you really have that first big wake-up call of, oh my God, I'm in sales. That's for new BDRs, I mean. I mean, if you're, uh, you know, if you've already, of course, been around the ringer and you're starting at Hiro, just learning about healthcare, it's different. But still, I think, you know, for us, we definitely give chances to people who have never been in sales before. So you see, you see those reactions and you see kind of how, Okay, even if they did amazing during the training and they really seem to get it, it's like once you see them do that first cold call, it's sink or swim. You know, no one's, there's no lifeguard on duty. You're in there. Yeah. But I'll tell you, yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit about the training that we do. So, in order to get them up to speed, what we're doing during this onboarding, first of all, and I don't know if this is, it's like this at every company, our BDRs meet almost everybody in the company. So, Maybe that's easier when you're a startup of 65 people, but they're having a one-on-one session with the VP product. They're having a one-on-one session with the product manager who's in healthcare, if they're in healthcare, and that's a session that's an hour long in the onboarding with the CEO, and they're hearing the CEO actually pitch Pyro. 
live. So, you know, as long as we don't grow too fast too soon, we'll get to continue doing these practices. But all of that exposure, A, gives them a sense of, wow, this company gives a shit about my role and who I am, even though I'm an entry-level BDR, et cetera. And two, I think it gives them really good exposure to senior level thinking about what they're going to be doing. And they get firsthand understanding of how it is that executives in the company are pitching this product and are pitching to these verticals. Another thing we do is BDR Bootcamp. So BDR Bootcamp is a week-long trial by fire, sending your first LinkedIn messages without knowing anything, making your first cold calls without, you know, without having the proper talk tracks. And it's really just to knock the fear out. So once you've done that without the knowledge, imagine doing it with the knowledge, you feel much more confident. You've already been, you know, you've kind of already been thrown, you know, naked running around the park. And now you've got clothes on and you're standing there a lot more confident once you are done with the training. So we have them do a lot of trial by fires. And the other thing we do is we bring in guest speakers. So every time we hire a new BDR, I have five people come who are VP sales, director of biz dev, or just senior BDR at a different company from all different companies, sometimes in our verticals, sometimes not. And we had someone who's a team lead at Monday. We've had someone come who is a VP sales of the VP sales of a company called Mine. And basically we have five sessions an hour long each day about a different facet of being a BDR and an SDR. And having those different viewpoints are super helpful for them. It opens up First of all, it opens up a good channel to potential mentors. And second, it gives them different practices and different challenges going on in other companies. And that means that once they start the job, they kind of understand they're not alone. These are things that are happening elsewhere. There are tips and tricks they've already got from the get-go of how to get over these humps faster. And that's been praised quite a bit, the style of onboarding. Those are just a few ways that we get them ramped up quickly. And also those are some unique things I think maybe we do as a company that I don't really hear as much of in other companies. Being an SDR, sales rep, and manager is tough, and it's getting tougher. Creating an outbound sales pipeline is hard, and getting harder every day as well. You're not given any training, coaching, or support. You're pretty much on your own to figure it out. Should you cold call, send emails, or post on social media? Your prospects are buried in messages, and now it seems harder to stand out and get a response. You try to educate yourself on how to do it, but the online landscape is a confusing swirl of contradictory messages, empty motivational speeches, and outdated sales advice. Time is running out, and you're spinning your wheels. Now what? You now have a resource to really help. You now have 10Bound Plus. 10Bound Plus is your guide to building your outbound sales skills in your own time and in your own way. You join a community of like-minded people who are striving to achieve success in your same position. You get access to online, self-paced learning courses, discounts to 10Bound events, and much more. Join today at 10boundplus.com. That's 10boundplus.com. I think you're going to get a lot of applicants (laughs) after this podcast. That is. We're hiring. That's a great, it's a great onboarding system, you know, and it's tough. Like you've got to start somewhere, you know, and make some mistakes at the beginning just to get out there doing it. And then you have a training program to go back and say, okay, what could you have done differently? And you know, what should we do differently? Yeah. So that's really great. I definitely think you're going to get a lot of interest in, in the role 
as well. We're hiring. We have one okay. open BDR spot on the team. So I guess it's there a you great, go. You, you heard a about great it place here. to plug it in, right? Yeah. Um, you heard about cool. it here first. Yeah. And let me ask you this. <laughs> what challenges, you know, have you faced with running the BDR team? Anything that you're willing to <laughs> discuss? Oh my God, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, it can't be all, you know, sunshine and rainbows over there. No, it's not. Absolutely not. It's a very difficult challenge to run the BDR team. I'm lucky that I have an amazing team lead with us. His name's Lior Kraft. He's a phenomenal BDR team lead and just a natural born coach. But owning that function is very difficult because despite what I said of having a great onboarding and trial by fire and all those techniques we use, I definitely think that cushions the blow and it makes them more effective out of the gate. But it is still a huge knowledge gap. I think one of the biggest pain points, a lot of the times the BDRs we hire, and this is the nature of the recruits themselves, just the types of people who you know apply for this role, they're coming without technical experience, period. So now, you know, this dual prong challenge is how do I teach this person about what it means to be in high tech? How do I teach this person about how to sell technology, period? Then teach them about how to sell conversational AI, period, like natural language-based products, chat and voice-based products, all about the industry. And then how do I teach them what is healthcare in the US specifically and all of their different pain points? And there are, it is crazy how complex this vertical is. Real estate's also mind-blowingly complex for what I thought it would be. But I think even for a small startup, and I imagine for big companies, even with all the tools they probably spend money on to make sure that onboarding goes you know, incredibly smooth, I imagine in big companies, it's also a problem. The transfer of knowledge is one of the biggest pain points for sure. And the other is, these are really diamonds in the rough, or I don't know, just striking gold is if you find a person who has the hustle of a salesperson, but the mind of a marketer, and that is so rare. So finding someone who has no problem dialing up a number when someone no shows on a call, sending that, you know, 12th, 13th email, because they just they have a feeling that this is going to be the one, you know, having a person who does that and also knows how to really create just brilliant copy for emails and knows how to adapt messaging at the right time in the right way. It's to me, very, very difficult to find. And I'm always trying to upscale our BDRs as writers, but it's tricky. It's not why we hire them. We didn't hire them to be content writers. We hired them to be outbound salespeople. And I think finding that balance and trying to give them the right tools to upscale themselves in that way is definitely problematic. That is tough. (laughs) I mean, because so it sounds like one of the pain points is also recruiting. I mean, how do you find this unicorn, you know, among the millions of people who want to get into tech sales. And the first thing that they do is apply for an SDR job. You know, I mean, at least here, you know, there's a lot of people trying to get in. This is like a good entry point. But at the same time, you need this unicorn, you know, to come and work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Every time I hear the word unicorn, I think about our trajectory and our future, which is hopefully there. finding, Finding unicorns is, yeah, it's tough. I think the BDRs we have so far have the chop to do it. So especially now we've kind of asked them to be, you know, more brand ambassadors this year versus 
hardcore outbound salespeople, mainly because the market's changed. The market's changed and we don't expect as much quantity. We're just trying to get better quality. So I think we're seeing this shift in mindset and I'm seeing them become evolved in front of my eyes into better writers and better marketers. So they already have the sales part down and now I'm seeing the marketing side come out. And I think think we're going to get there. It's so, so interesting. Yeah. But they have to have the hustle though. You need people, you don't want to push them off the couch. You know, you want to hold them right. back. Right. And, you know, right. that hustle aspect has got to be there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a fine balance, you know, just like everything in this life. But ultimately, you can't have it that they're just good marketers, creative, know how to write. If they're not going to send enough emails or do enough dials, it's a numbers game at the end of the day also. And you really have to be able to balance the quality and the quantity of what you're doing. And I think that it's tough. And you'll ask any BDR, like, what do you do right? And, and they barely know half the time why they've hit target. Despite having the data in front of them, it's very difficult to kind of guess why they're going to hit target one month versus another month not. And I think it's really just finding what works, the balance, right? The individual balance that works for each person. I think on our team, people are starting to get there. No, it's so funny because I have like a whole library of business books and self-help books. And I watch videos, motivation videos on YouTube and, you know, on Instagram, it's like all these things. And then I come in in the morning and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) hey what happened you would think that yeah but somehow you get the results right so yeah uh yeah for sure yeah let me ask you this there's a big push now you're in the ai business so there's a push to get rid of bdrs and just have the salespeople do it and have the ai you know do all the bdr stuff for me, I'm old school, so that sounds ludicrous, but you know, what are your thoughts on that? I guess I'm less old school and it still sounds ludicrous. <laughs> I still think it's, yeah, in layman's terms, I think it's really stupid. I got to yeah. be honest. Like, I, I think the whole concept, it's a tool like anything else. I don't think it's going to replace jobs. I think if you use it right, it's going to make people more productive. And so maybe, you know, it's the same with marketing teams. I really think the best example I can give. Just, you know, because I run the marketing side of things also and content writers are getting very defensive. Content marketers are getting very defensive now. Of course, on LinkedIn, you know, you see posts all the time, the 10 reasons why ChatGPT won't take my job. Like, And this is, you know, popping off everywhere. You know, I think it's a very rash or short-sighted leadership team that says, all right, well, let's get rid of our content team because we'll have this unproven... AI tool, write all of the blog posts. And it's really, really helpful for getting people started. It's really helpful for getting people out of writer's block. I would never trust ChatGPT. And we use, by the way, we use large language models at Hiro in our product, but I would not use ChatGPT in and of itself to write emails and send emails on behalf of Hiro. Would never. I would absolutely use ChatGPT in a way that's like, you're a sales development representative contacting a CIO of a healthcare company. Can you give me 10 email headline, you know, subject lines that might have a high open rate, right? And then from there, okay, cool. I've now gotten this leg up. We had that leg up before. It just required a little more effort. It was called Google. 
And you could write the same thing into Google and get a blog post that gives you 10 proven subject lines that SDRs, BDRs have written. It's probably on Gong's website or something like that, since they have all the sales content. But, you know, it's like something where, okay, I've gotten this help, this leg up. It's not going to do the whole job for me. And it shouldn't. And I think it should make people faster. And so the efficiency should go up and the expectations of SDRs and BDRs should go up, in my opinion. So, you know, if someone says that it takes them now a full day to write a new cadence, maybe it shouldn't take that full day anymore. Maybe right. it should take about 40% less time or 30% less time because they're using productivity tools. But it's about leadership to arm them with those tools, tell them where we think, you know, the boundaries are, test, experiment, but not, you know, rip and replace. I just don't think we're at that place now. And I, I don't think we ever will be. And I think soon you'll have tools also that detect that kind of thing. And it's going to be the same thing as when I know your you know, emails coming to me now are automated. I'm going to be pissed off. It's going to be the same thing as getting an email that's like, hey, bracket, first name, bracket. <laughs> I'm going to know it's ChatGPT and I'm going to be like, well, okay, this person's lazy and this person doesn't care about me. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing, dude. I mean, I'm thinking so many things. One quick thing is I accidentally sent out an email to 200 people that just said, hi. <laughs> I, got, I got a decent return rate actually from people because they're like what is this so i'm not i would imagine yeah <laughs> that's actually a brilliant gimmick because the, yeah. it's very it's, it's very clickbaity it I would, is but... i would have what was the meaning of this email i would think about it all night what did what did david want from me when he sent me that's this high key. message <laughs> they, they they knew who I was. That's the thing. So they knew who I was. So it's like, okay, hi. But I think if it was from a stranger, it would just be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. So, but I know that the automation, when you're talking to Jarvis and Iron Man, you know, you can't have, Jarvis can't just go by himself. I don't know. Maybe he can, but you got to have Tony Stark in the suit, right? To make it work. Yes, the nice pop culture, <laughs> good pop culture <laughs> reference there. I got one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's exactly that. It's a sidekick. I've told our BDRs, like, you know, do what you can with this. Sure, you know, experiment, see if this helps you, but never rely on this and never, ever send an email that's strictly written by large language models. Like, they're really great, super impressive. They did what you know, it, we were waiting for this component of this chatbot revolution to come along for such a long time. When I was at Google, that was something they were working on for years already. This was seven years ago. It was something that like was a myth behind closed doors. And it's amazing to see these things come out, but they're sidekicks. They're, you know, ingredients in a larger recipe. And I think it's the same for any field domain, including for outbound sales. They're additive. Okay. So for now, all the BDRs, you're cool. You're fine. Like maybe another <laughs> 10 years before you're replaced, but okay. Well, man, this has been so helpful, Aaron. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. And if people want to connect with you is, I think we met on LinkedIn, right? Is that the best way? Yeah, sure. Always happy to talk outbound sales, marketing and sales, whatever the subject is. LinkedIn's great. And my email is Aaron at hiro.ai in case anyone wants to reach out. So Really appreciated being on the show, David. This is awesome. And it's great to meet you at the same time, of course. Yeah, definitely. We'll have you back on and we want to see how it's going in a few months and if you have any new learning. So thanks for coming on the yeah. show, Aaron, and I'll see you online. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.